Welcome to Legacy Sport Live, stories of the people who are shaping the conversation at the intersection of sport, business and purpose. I'm Neil Duffy, co-author of our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Today, my co-author Fabien Paget talks with Lucien Boyer, founder and chairman of Global Sports Week. Lucien established Global Sports Week to bring together the various role players in sport to address the biggest global trends and challenges facing the industry so that we can work together to shape a better future. Today, he shares with Fabien how sports marketing has evolved over the years and his vision for sport to be more purposeful. So we would like to, to start this interview by uh, maybe by uh, having, I mean, knowing more about your background. So maybe if you can start to, to talk uh, a bit more about your career to the listeners and be, I mean, maybe in a few minutes, explain us uh, how it started and uh, how you, you, you decided to come back as an entrepreneur today. That's a very long story. <laughs> Good morning. Um, yes, no, it's, it, it goes back 30 years, so I'm not going to uh, tell you everything uh, over the last 30 years, even if every day has been an amazing day in my journey. But uh, let me start from the scratch. So very, very early beginning, I was a student at Sec uh, Business School, and there was this uh, French challenge for the Americas because they were looking for money because uh, French Trump was very, very low, and they had issue with their budget. So they asked for students to raise money. And I did manage to succeed in this contest and win my ticket for the book. But instead of being just a, an intern, I decided I, I offered my, um, my time to really be part of the team. Uh, and the, the, the story was that I realized that we were very amateur, but the Anglo-Saxon world, the American, the Canadian, the Australian who won the American Cup that year, um, we were very professional and I realized that sports marketing was real marketing and I was studying marketing at school but nothing like sports marketing so I thought that would be my my uh, job because this is really fulfilling my uh, my passion so that was the very very beginning and uh, fast tracking fast forwarding um, I man managed to do my national service in Australia because of the Australian wing the America's Cup so I was there when they had the America's Cup and the first Rugby World Cup back in 87. I was one of the 15 French supporters uh, trying to match the 15,000 Australian supporters, but the French mm -hmm. team won. A great, great uh, experience in a very, very uh, sporty nation. And then I tried to work in uh, sports business, didn't find my way, so I started in the uh, advertising business with Sachi and Sachi. Mm -hmm. But one day I realized that the work I was doing, which was very interesting based on strategic planning, understanding what people were really thinking and the consumer behavior, all that part was really great and the ideas, but the output was very limited. It was only 30 second commercial, it was only a billboard or only a, a radio spot or that sort of print. And I realized that the real life was bigger than that. And we were uh, producing a movie uh, for Danon and we were uh, working hard and then i went back home and watched uh, movie, uh, a game 
And at halftime, I realized that if my commercial was uh, already completed, I would not even watch it because I was taking a break during the halftime, like everyone, and I had an epiphany thinking, but I've just seen the Dallon name on the jersey in the on the Juve team. And this doesn't, I mean, it, it creates emotions, but the story behind is not told. Yeah. And the people that are driving the brand that are so adamant on every detail for the commercial, TV commercial, are not at all paying attention to what they say when they put their name. So I thought that maybe we could do advertising outside of advertising, outside of commercial break. And that was the very beginning of my idea of uh, creating this uh, work and the, contributing to the agency, specializing. That's Great. Long time. Ago. That's a good story. And, uh, and next, uh, you decided to start a so, follow-up. Uh, well, not yet. No, I, I joined a Formula One team from the advertising yeah. agency just to experience what really sports was meaning in terms of global uh, and, and marketing, uh, uh, very elaborated marketing strategies at the time because it was quite a most sophisticated one. And after three years in Formula One, I decided to quit my agency. Yeah. That was back in '91. It was called Lifestyle Marketing Group to bring people to bring brands uh, further in people's life. That was our motto. Okay, nice. and that was the beginning of the strategy of connecting people, engaging people with passion, content, and experience. So that was back in '91, and I've uh, rolled out this concept for many years. Sold my agency to uh, Havas in the beginning of uh, uh, the new millennium. And, and a new millennium, sorry, and and then and, and, uh, develop it across the world. So it became a global network with, uh, we opened uh, 30 agencies across 25 countries to make it a real tool for brands to really uh, capture the power of sports and for sporting bodies and sporting brands to understand marketing. So that was a kind of a dual uh, mission. And how many years did you stay at Havas? So I stayed at Havas until the end of 2015. Okay. So for 15 years plus the years before, sure, yeah. and then I joined the mother company of Avaz, Vivendi, as a CMO to help integrating the group. And that was a very, very uh, amazing time to learn about the uh, entertainment industry from music, Universal mm -hmm. Music Group to uh, movie production, TV series production, uh, entertainment, uh, gaming, uh, live events. So it went really through all the value chain of entertainment and it's really about how you capture emotion in the uh, um, production that use the talents that really are the core of entertainment as much as the athletes are the core of sports and make it um, um, a great experience and amazing content that are um, driven by storytellers. And that's something that I'm absolutely convinced that sports mm. need to learn from is the way you, you capture the emotion in the long narrative um, approach, not just uh, an impression at one moment, but really telling a story that lasts exactly mm. what people can do when they create the likes of um, Star Wars or for example, Lord of the Rings or the Harry Potter, mm. that sort of thing. So it's quite exciting. Yes, so that's for five years, and then I quit this big corporation and started again as an entrepreneur, as you said, with Global Sports Week, and uh, joining Laurent and Yanni, my partner, yeah. to uh, invest in the sports business. 
Very interesting. That's where we are. How would you describe the evolution of, of sports marketing uh, over the past uh, 20, 25 years? Well, I think it became more and more professional. Yeah. And uh, obviously, it, the value of what we are talking uh, of increased a lot. Sports has become more and more central in society. So everything related to sport is more and more um, entwined with everything in society. It's less a nice thing to have on the side, and it's more and more something absolutely essential in people's life. And because of that, in the uh, economy and in the way uh, the major um, parts of the uh, society organization is being built from. So it's, it does definitely have an impact on the social inclusion, it does have an impact on education, it does have an impact on people's um, wealth. Um, and also in the way um, uh, nations are reflecting themselves. So it's very much about the way you bring people together in, um, uh, in a positive way. It's, it's the most important peaceful events that you can imagine. And that's the kind of thing that are becoming more and more important in our world. <laughs> I agree. Do, do you think that, the, I mean, from my perspective, uh, as maybe 20, 30 years ago, uh, it was all about visibility and exposure. And after we talked about hospitality and then how you can amplify through digital and social media. And, and today we, we believe and you can see more and more, uh, I would say, a fourth pillar which is purpose and how now as a, through your investment in sports how you embrace purpose and and have a legacy around the around your investments um do you agree on this do you think now people are expecting these kind of things well yes definitely okay. i think that it is driven by uh, the uh uh, communities you try to engage and that's definitely uh, uh, sports is not different from the world it's a reflection of the world so as the world evolves uh, towards uh, a more purposeful um, way of life economy uh, it's exactly the same for sports uh, there is one difference is that sports has, has it in its DNA and that's a very important thing some industries are struggling to uh, connect and to fill the gap because they are far away from that. This is not the case of sports. It started from that. And that's a very important point, which means it's very genuine and it's been there on a minor tone and it's becoming major. But I think that it's not completely new. That's why it's very legitimate and it fits very well with the mindset of people, with the motivation, with everything related to the uh, sincerity of the approach. And I think that you can look back and find some great um, manifestations of a, a, a purposeful uh, approach of sports. You can think about the athletes. For more than 30 years, athletes have been very uh, conscious about their uh, role as role models and also their capability to give back. And in a way, the obligation to do that because they feel they have felt very often that they were privileged, they had the luck and the success due to their hard work. But at the end of the day, they were a minority. And sometimes, many, many times, they came from uh, spaces where people didn't have this chance. And they knew that. And they wanted to give back and not forget about that. So I think that if you think about the foundations of athletes, 
that have been around for many years, you can think that it's not completely new. Even the Olympics, they have started Olympic solidarity 40 years ago. So uh, this is part of the DNA now. It's really about how it becomes much more central, much more in the center. And what is important is that it's becoming a driver of success. It's not just something that, it's not just giving back, it's just being what you are and being successful. I think that before you were successful and you wanted to share part of the success with the world of purpose, now if you want to be successful, you need to put purpose. Absolutely. That's a big difference. I'm happy to hear that. I, I really agree. Uh, do, do you think the business of, of sports uh, in France understand what purpose is? Uh, they are coming to it. It's okay. getting better every day. So I think we can be uh, uh, we can be optimistic. It takes time because it's not at the core. Again, I think that what is it, 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 it's, sometimes it can conflict with other priorities. Let's say let's put it to it because sports is very demanding. Sports is about excellence. It's about discipline. It's about hard work. And this doesn't leave much time to look around. You need to focus. And when you focus on sports performance, and, and it's quite a selfish exercise. Uh, athletes and teams are very selfish. They need to really uh, give everything to these very specific objectives that they have, which is more detailed. very narrow, very detailed. And when you do that, you don't look around. So sometimes a purpose-driven approach means generosity, means looking around, means taking and embarking people in your, in your story. And it, it can be difficult to integrate that in the, in the journey or in the performance. So that's one thing that explains why sometimes it's not that natural. But on the other side, if you think about the responsibility of the way sports work, it does work only if there is a, an audience, a public. It's not just something you do in isolation. It's something you want to share. Even if it is a, a solo, uh, single-handed uh, race around the world, you can't be more removed from everyone else and you're very focused on uh, staying alive and, and making your boat going faster. But in fact, you want to share that with everyone. And every day you post your videos, you, you connect with your community online and you are telling your story. So, so that means that you, this connection with the fan is a way for any high performance driven uh, organization to take care of what's going on within the community. And again, I go back to the idea that in this community, purpose is one of the drivers for interest, for uh, consideration and for loyalty. So you can't be as selfish as before. You also yeah. need to see how you can do something for the crowd, not just for yourself. I agree. And, and I feel that for, for a long time, we, we were opposing, I mean, profit and philanthropy, two worlds that don't really talk together. And I think this, now there is this duality of doing good and doing well at the same time. Do you think that the business of sports understand purpose as a business opportunity? Well, because that's the case. And yes, and what you said is absolutely right for every business, yeah. and sport is not different from the rest. Yeah. Then you have uh, early adopters, you have trailblazers, and you have followers. It's always like that. So I think that, yes, the most advanced organizations are leading the way. They are uh, embracing this 
and they are making it um, a central part of their uh, strategy and communications. And that makes a big difference then from the traditional way, which is a really ticking a box. And ticking a box is, okay, it's there. Nobody is completely forgetting about it, but it's a question of where is it on the agenda. And that's where maybe when you, when I go back to your questions, I, I think that sports has become more and more professional, true, but still it doesn't always, um, uh, let's say, innovate as much as other sectors. Sometimes sport is um, a little bit behind. There is one reason for that, it's because sport is also in charge of protecting legacy. So it's always a kind of a struggle between tradition and uh, modernity about uh, respecting rules that have been set long time ago and new, new, new things. And sport is trying to protect values that have been uh, established at the beginning of sports. And that's the reason why people are traditionalists yes. and a little bit more conservative than in other places. Now it should not stop sports to evolve and align with um, society. So I think this kind of thing uh, uh, explains why it sometimes takes more time. There is another thing which is obviously, as you said, the uh, sports um, profit-minded uh, um, organizations. Of course, sport is uh, demanding more money to excel. A football club needs more money to really get the best players, be competitive, uh, modernize their arena and so forth. And so there is again a focus on delivering more profit. And it takes time to realize that this can't come without the purpose uh, strategy. And some, uh, as in business, some uh, leaders have understood that it is completely necessary and that is not going to uh, stop them from uh, thriving in terms of profit. Some things it is conflicting with their business model because it's, a, it's like a distraction, it slows down, it is an investment as well. And is it the most short-term uh, impactful investment? Maybe not, it's more long-term. And that's the problem that we sometimes face because long-term and short-term is certainly one of the uh, big uh, problem of transforming society. Sport is not different. You're absolutely right. Um, do you think some countries or other countries are more advanced and, and I mean, some, yeah, are more advanced and understand better purpose? US, for example? I wouldn't say that. I think that philanthropy in the US is more organized because it's linked to the tax yeah. system and it's been there forever. So yes, there are big foundations and professional organizations that are driven by non-profits. So that gives an edge. Uh, but it's very much being reinvented with uh, a new approach. Uh, social enterprise is different from the traditional philanthropy. Philanthropy can be also quite heavy, very corporate. It, it has been um, uh, copy-paste from the corporate world, whereas it's all about uh, clusters, networking, uh, working as uh, a group of small agile bodies more like NGOs, and that's not so much in the US. And that's closer to what 
European countries and France in particular can do. So I don't think we are in a, we are in a good position to uh, um, lead a new way to approach philanthropy, which is purpose business. Uh, whereas maybe in some countries they are also um, uh, slowed down by their it's own uh, organization. Yeah. So I wouldn't say France is uh, behind. On the others, on the opposite, I think that France has always been a place where people have um, great uh, ideas to, to create new concepts. Think about the flying doctors, mm. uh, uh, reporters without borders, that sort of strong organization that were originated with French uh, people dedicated to doing good in different fields. I think sport is not different. That's true. Are you, I mean, do you think about any example of progress initiatives uh, or campaigns that, uh, that you have in mind or you will vote? Um, I think that uh, there are uh, many, many, uh, many, many uh, uh, examples. I think that if, if I take just one, which is Paris 2024, it's quite interesting to see that, and that comes from the, the Olympic uh, movement, where legacy is now a driver of everything that has been done. So it's really a great practice at scale. Because when you organize the, world, the Olympic Games, you need to really do things that are not just ticking a box. You need to really demonstrate that the impact of what you do is completely aligned with those sustainable development goals and that sort of a, a criteria. And I think that when you think about how Paris 24 is putting uh, legacy and purpose-driven initiative at the heart of the whole organization, it's, it's a great example of how things have changed. Uh, but of course, um, there are um, new things every day. I, I was reading yesterday on uh, uh, LinkedIn a post from a, a young French skipper, Arthur Levaillant, who is really uh, moving all the community of skippers to say, look, the sea is so important in the way we are going to uh, drive our planets in the future. And we are the one who tell the story of the sea because we are sailing on it. We absolutely need to be agents of change. So uh, come with me, skippers, let's do, uh, let's make sure that Vendée Globe, because we are sailing in this event, is completely aligned with that because in fact, it's not yet. And the way uh, the, 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 the boats are built, the way we are, dealing with a million of fans that are coming in the, mm. on the globe and we are not dealing with them the proper way. All this needs to be aligned. So it's interesting to see this kind of a spontaneous initiative and it's one among many, many yeah, yeah. people are really taking, uh, taking it more seriously. I think Global Sports Week was a great moment for that mm. and with the young sports makers, but maybe more specifically with the Global Sports Week booster uh, social enterprise that were uh, identified and highlighted and we will, with your help, uh, try to uh, accelerate what they've done and scale it up. Yeah. And I think that it's from the most, and I'm just quoting one because I think it's a, it's a fun one, the Baba Run yeah. type. It's, it's so simple to do something close to where you live in a very uh, simple activity of yours, everybody can help. Mm. It's simple as long as there are some great people to put this together, make make it accessible. So I think this is, um, 
interesting to, to, to highlight the fact that it can be as big as a Paris 24-gate or as small as a very local, simple organization that brings people together. Yeah. But you, I mean, you talked about the Global Sports Week Booster program and what are the key insights uh, now as the event uh, is finished? What are the key insights uh, you think that all the stakeholders and the people in the business of sports uh, remember from, from this event? What would be? Well, I think people um, open their eyes to the responsibility of sports. And I think that people acknowledge that sport has an impact, an influence, and because of that has a responsibility. And on the other way around, sport needs to be uh, vigilant because it also uh, is uh, facing uh, risk and problems. So there is a need, and that's for the good of everyone, to retackle those uh, big changes, but be proactive, be change makers. I think that that was one big uh, uh, take out, one of the um, young sports makers at the end just ask the right question, are you ready to change yeah. now? And the now is very important. I think this is the real thing. It's not just an idea, it's really in the actions of everyone. So uh, I think this insight is important because every element of our ecosystem from um, brands that are changing their model, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, uh, uh, sporting goods, equipment uh, uh, supplier, manufacturers, to uh, organize, organizing committees of big events, to athletes, to fans, to media, to sponsors. Uh, and, and I think this is interesting to see the alignment of the ecosystem. It's not just one oh, yeah. element driving the pack, it's everyone moving at the same, at the same time. So um, I think we need everyone. We, I mean, that's a collective effort. Yes. Everyone is learning from everyone. And, it's interconnected, yeah. and I think that people realize that there is an ecosystem and everybody needs to be aware of what the others Absolutely. are doing and how to align. And that's something that was quite interesting as an insight from, uh, from this event. Um, and I think that it's also clear for everyone that there is a new generation coming yes. up with new values, uh, stronger um, expectations, mm. And, and this generation is, is uh, not what just is waiting, yeah. they are pro proactive, yeah. they are ready to take action, they're ready to say what they think, yeah. and they're ready to give a judgment, which is quite, um, can be a danger if yeah. people don't move, because they can be also quite uh, demanding in real things, not just stories, not just yeah. uh, messages. They want to see action and changes. And I think they, they have this more activist sense now and, and they're ready to tackle what is not transparent, what is not true. I mean, it's, it's incredible. I mean, no matter, I mean, young or small you are or whatever, it's, you, you're ready to take a stand and you expect that the brands and the companies stand for something more than profit. So they are, I think they are pushing and challenging everyone, which is also positive in some ways. Um, but uh, it's impressive that this next generation is going to grow and it's going to be more and more, I think, uh, important. And I think it's positive in a way to see all of this. For me, it's very positive. It's, it's, and, and it's also the, the good side of some more questionable evolution of our society, which is uh, the 
the social media trends that are driven by sometimes uh, more negative uh, uh, impulse and where people are following in a very uh, uncontrolled, uncontrollable way and that can be very, very bad. But on the other side, when there is a cause and people are really uh, embracing the cause and can be very powerful. And I think that the power of the young generation comes from their uh, savviness in using new technological uh, opportunities, new tools, and a new uh, influential network that they master better than anybody else, including the way you tell a story, and including the way you convey a message that is really impactful, that makes sense for people, that, it's, that is simple to uh, understand and to share. And I think that the, the, viral, the virality of a movement uh, is important. Actually, this is something that I felt very proud of at the Global Sports Week, is that it was not just one event at one moment of time. It's like a movement. There is a community, people who came, but also people who are interested in what was said and, and uh, that followed, and who are not just following, they are advocating, and they are also uh, a dynamic community. And I think this is something that the new generation are driving. Yeah. Import, interestingly enough, with our young sports makers, we created uh, a group of uh, leaders and not just uh, uh, young people following, but people are, that are really driving, not only they had their say and they contributed to define the right questions and the content, but now they are very active because this is their way of life as well. They are more active than older generations. So they produce content, they share content, and they spread it. So it's interesting to see that for an event like that, having the new generation at the core is absolutely critical to make this event really efficient and, and, to, um, and to make this movement uh, uh, even more powerful through different channels that maybe would have been neglected or considered just as a box on the side if we were not so aligned with this new generation and that's really because of the team. I'm, I'm the oldest in the group but the younger generation that was really driving the event uh, understands and aligned very well with generation and we had this uh, panel about the citizen fan when we are talking about fan or people who, sport, who practice sports it's obviously for everyone but the most active the core generation is the youngest and they are as you said, they are much more aware of their role as citizen yes. than just fun. It's not just a moment of joy just for fun. They it's more serious than that. They want to be active fans. Exactly, yes. So it's a very interesting generation that are taking things seriously and, and who also have uh, the power to change things yeah. and, and to evolve. And I was reading an article uh, a few weeks ago about this next, this new generation of, of, of young people who they don't want to work uh, for companies who are not uh, through the action or the mission having a positive impact in the world. Mm -hmm. They prefer to have a slow, a lower uh, revenue at the end of the month and work for a company that is driving positive change instead of just getting a job and get the paycheck at the end of the month. So it's it's really a, a big shift in in, uh, in what's happening now and in the future.
We hope that you've enjoyed listening to this edition of Legacy Sport Live, the companion podcast series to our new book, Legacy Sport, how to win at the business of sport in the age of social good. Please visit our website at www.legacysport.org to order your copy of the book and join our growing community of sports business professionals committed to doing good while doing well through sport.